success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. Oh, my gosh. Just wait. Wait until you meet this most invincible friend of mine. Dr. Kate Hendricks Thomas, PhD, is a behavioral medicine researcher and master certified health education specialist. She studies evidence-based mental fitness and peak performance and is the author of several books. Kate is passionate about education and teaches for George Mason University's Department of Global and Community Health. Her TEDx speeches provide a glimpse into Dr. Kate's unique ability to make science accessible and actionable for everyday audiences. She is a writer and researcher at heart and has authored over 100 scientific publications and presentations. Her behavioral health research published in journals like Best Practices in Mental Health, the Journal of Environmental Psychology and Military Behavioral Health has been praised as masterful and constructive. She writes for a diverse array of popular blogs and newspapers. Her social commentary has been featured on NPR and BBC and published in The Hill and in The Washington Post. Dr. Kate, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you here with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that kind and generous introduction. I truly appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. You know, listen, you did all the things. And it is <laughs> an honor for me where I sit to be able to share you with the world today. It is such an honor. Congratulations on all that you've done. This life well lived. Oh my gosh. People only dream of some of the things that you've already done in such a short time. And I cannot wait to just jump in and get started and share you with our listeners. So let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Those are really great questions. Um, are any of us invincible? Um, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a tough question. Um, so I actually wound up where I am today uh, through a series of happy accidents. So I joined the Marine Corps right out of college, and I was absolutely in love with the Marine Corps, had a tremendous experience in the service. Um, but when I left the Marine Corps, I left to go back to school because I wanted to study public health and health promotion. So I left uh, the active duty Marine Corps and started my journey, started my journey through academia. And I eventually became a college professor, which I was very excited about. I taught at a, a private university in Charleston, South Carolina called Charleston Southern. And until January of 2018, I was coasting along building an academic research career that primarily focused on the mental and physical well-being of military veterans and their family members. And that's really where I spent most of my time. But in January of 2018, I got surprised by a breast cancer diagnosis. And my diagnosis was um, stage four right out of the gate meaning the cancer was had spread throughout my skeletal system and it spread throughout my whole body. And it was a terminal cancer, you know, from the day that I found out about it. So we decided to change some things. And we looked at our life. We were living in Charleston, South Carolina. 
Um, there's decent medical care, but not the best in the country. Um, we had family hours away, but not nearby. And we made a really big decision to relocate ourselves to Alexandria, Virginia. We moved into a house next door to my brother and his wife and their kids. And we just started, um, we started focusing a little more heavily on social connection and on building a support system for my entire family while we walked through cancer treatment. Amazing, amazing. So you said your diagnosis was uh, January of 2018. So now we are, gosh, coming on four years, yes? Almost, it's been almost four years. I'm, yeah. I'm breaking the statistics, so, so that's a good thing. You go, girl, you break those records. You are a record breaker. I think that's what makes you invincible, Kate, is that you are a fighter, that you don't give up. Well, I have a seven-year-old and he was three when I was diagnosed. So you can't look into that innocent little kid's eyes and not want to keep fighting and not want to be around for them as long as possible. Um, so he's my motivation. And whenever I really don't want to do a treatment or, or, you know, I start to feel a little down about the trajectory of things, I just think about him and he keeps me going. I love that. Oh, and I have kids too. So I totally can relate to that. So first, let me say thank you for your service. Uh, amazing, amazing. Just, just that you're willing to give your life for our country is amazing. Um, what made you decide to go to go that route to to join the military. I mean, not every gal coming out of school is like, I, what are you going to do? Right. They're like, go to Disney world. Not you. You said I'm going to join the military. Uh, right. so, yeah. So how old were you when you, when you did, when you enlisted? So I was 18 when I signed on the dotted line and committed, but I think it was a, a result of childhood social conditioning. So my dad was in the Marine Corps and my mom worked for the army um, so we were always on military bases. I like to joke that the 11th commandment in our house was thou shalt join the Marine Corps. Um, my brother joined as well. We, we were just so comfortable around the military and it felt like home and normal. Um, so I, I'm not really surprised that I decided to follow in my dad's footsteps. I was one of those kids who always wanted to please my dad and always wanted to live up to his expectations. So um, it was for me, it was growing up around it. And it, it felt like home and the people felt like my people. Mm, so tell us one positive thing um, that came from being in the military for serving our country. Well, the military offered me so many chances to push my envelope. And I mean that in a variety of senses. So not just physically, although that was fantastic. I mean, I, I had obstacles that I had to overcome and I had to do things that I didn't know whether or not I'd be able to do. Uh, and that's incredibly valuable. Setting yourself up for these, these mastery opportunities, these mastery experiences um, is tremendous. I also had challenges with leadership as a 23 year old second Lieutenant. You know, I had, I had 70 Marines that I was charged with taking care of and that pushed my envelope. That was, that was fantastic. Um, and then the other positive thing was the camaraderie. There are friends that I have to this day that I met in the Marine Corps that are very, very dear and valuable to me. And the people that you got to share that experience with become very close to you. Mm. Wow, those are some great, great benefits to that. And then of course we know there's the negative one, which is what you're dealing with today. Do you wanna share that? Yes, well, um, my oncologist, I've had a couple different oncologists since I was diagnosed. And they've all said that they think I'm dealing with an exposure-related cancer. And the reason for that is I don't have any genetic predictors. I don't have any um, of the, the genes that make it likely that you will develop breast cancer. And the way that the cancer is behaving is very aberrant. It's, um, it has morphed several times. It's been very, very aggressive and resistant to treatment. Um, and so my physicians have told me that this is very likely 
related to exposures that I incurred during the service. So overseas in Iraq, we were stationed next to burn pits. We were breathing in, you know, black particulate matter from burning trash. Um, there we drank water bottles that had been set out in the sun on pallets and they were cheap water bottles with BPA in the plastic. So, you know, we drank, we drank this contaminated water. And then I grew up on bases that have now been flagged as uh, places where there was groundwater contamination for a variety of reasons. I spent years at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and now we know that um, there is a cancer risk out of that area if you lived there in the 80s. So I'll never be exactly sure what the exposure was, but the um, the physicians that I have and that I trust have told me that my cancer is a result of, of some sort of exposure. Mm. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about this and I said, you know, you're kissing the ground, right? When you get out of the military and you actually made it uh, and then you, then you end up with this and it's just, you know, just crazy. So, and we'll never know, right? Whether that is what caused this, but but it's very likely. Right. And, you know, I've done some advocacy work around this area. We're, we're trying to get um, more attention paid to um, risks of the burn pits, to risks of uh, service-related exposures for what we call delayed onset cancer. So, you know, when you have a cancer that comes up 10 years after your service, it's really tough to figure out it's really tough to figure out what could have been the causation, what could have actually caused that cancer. But um, if I had left the service knowing, I'll give you one example. Um, military women, rates of breast cancer are between 20 and 40%. In the general population, the rate is 12%. So if I had known that I was uh, extra at risk for breast cancer, I could have begun screening earlier than I did. Um, and we potentially could have caught my cancer before it became terminal. How old were you, Kate, when you did catch your cancer? I was 38 and I was, I was at the VA hospital and I was seeing my primary care nurse practitioner. And she said to me, Kate, I want you to go and get a mammogram. And I said, I'm 38. I don't need one yet. I argued with her because I didn't want to go do another medical appointment. And she said, based on where you've been stationed, we're seeing more cancer in young veteran women. I want you to go. And so I finally did. And when I when I got the imaging done, they found that I was absolutely part of that statistic. I, I had breast cancer. So how did, did has anyone ever indicated during your treatment, like how long they might estimate that you would this cancer had been here? Uh, no, nobody's ever nobody's ever said that. I know for a fact that I had it for at least four years before it was, or three years before it was diagnosed, because I had tremendous pain when I was breastfeeding my son on one side, um, and I thought that was normal. I thought it was part of breastfeeding, and now I know, and my doctors have told me, no, that was an indicator that you had, um, you know, that you had this going on in your body. So I know that it was there at least three years prior to me getting the imaging and getting diagnosed, but I don't think, I don't think we know exactly when it popped up. Yeah. And that is the scariest thing about this, this cancer, how it does show up in women that are like 30 uh, or in their thirties. And again, as you mentioned, like that's not even protocol for a mammogram and yeah. So I think, you know, shout out to anyone, any woman who's been in the military uh, that no matter what age you are, if you've had exposure like that, you probably need to start getting checked ahead of time. Yes. And there's a bill right now out of Senator Boozman's office, Senator Boozman of Arkansas. It's called the Service Act. And it's going to it's going to lower the age of mammography for any woman who's been deployed. So you would come back from a deployment age 27 thinking that you don't need um, screening and treatment and the VA and the DOD are going to tell you, yes, you're at higher risk. You need this screening and that's going to save lives. Oh, that is so encouraging. 
absolutely encouraging. Well, listen, I'm excited to talk to you about book marketing. You've written four books. Amazing. And so share with us a little bit about your secrets and tricks to effective book marketing. Well, it's really interesting because marketing a book is fairly tough to do. It's a very crowded space. Um, there are, uh, there are a lot of people who don't read anymore. They don't necessarily go to Barnes and Noble and pick something up for themselves. So you're, you're trying to make inroads in a loud crowded space. And one of the best ways that I've found to do that, um, well, first of all, you want to have an author's website. You want to have a website where people can go and um, read a little snippet about your book and find links to where they can purchase it. That's important to have. But one of the things that I always found really effective was to create a book trailer. So the way that we have trailers for movies and, and shows and things like that, you can do the same thing for a book. And video is very effective today. People will watch a two minute video and give you feedback on that and, and potentially become interested in what you've written um, be, if, they, if they see a book trailer. So I would recommend that. And then there is the, um, the opportunity to market your book to people that you think would be interested um, in your specific topic. Now, what I've written historically has always been written for the military and veteran community. Um, it's you know, the, the work that I've done has been fairly niche. So what I've done is I've tried to write blogs and I've tried to, um, I've tried to do things in the military and veteran space. So for example, um, I, I wrote an article for military times. I wrote an article for task and purpose, because these are the periodicals that people in the military and veteran um, you know, caregiving space, this is what they read. Um, so you really try to target and tailor your, your marketing message. But I would say the biggest and best thing is the book trailer. People love a book trailer. I love it. You know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we do audiograms, which is like a trailer. So it's like a 30 second to 90 second, like just caption of what that guest is speaking about. That's so, huge. And people like the short little teaser. Yes. And it says, oh my gosh, you got to listen to the rest of this, right? Come here. You want to hear the whole story. And that's going to happen with you today as well. My team gets to pick, they have a uh, dealer's choice and they get to pick whatever caption they think is most appropriate. So I can't wait to see what they choose for this episode with you today. How special. Fantastic. So Thank you for those tips. And, you know, when we were together at Leslie's Week uh, for Stage for Change, uh, just, oh gosh, it was just September, two months ago. Time really flies. Yes. Um, but you did this exercise on stage, which, first of all, I loved everything that you shared. I loved how you tag teamed with Lauren. And I thought you guys did such a great job. Um, but I loved the breath work because when you're sitting in a room with doctors and researchers, right? And, and women who are, are going through cancer and fighting for their lives, you know, it's such an emotional place. It takes you to this place where you're overwhelmed with emotion. And that breath work that you did was the most powerful thing. It actually opened my eyes to breath works and to see its value. And now I'm actually doing that with someone that, that does that as a thing. That's <laughs> so, wonderful to hear. I'm so I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, you inspired me, Kate, that that way that you it was like almost like self coaching, right? So I want you to share about this breathwork magic that you believe in and practice and teach. And you know, what are what is it about? What are the benefits? I think a lot of times people think like, Oh, that's woo woo. Listen, if you can stop that stress in a heartbeat, go with woo woo, right? So whatever right. it is. So share with us a little bit about that. Well, a lot of my work focuses on something that I call mental fitness. And what that really means is resilience. It means your ability to moderate stress, your ability to 
respond rather than react to tough or stressful situations. And you, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the human brain and the human body is that you can change, you can widen the window to borrow a phrase from a physician I really like named Elizabeth Stanley. You can actually change your tolerance level for stress by doing things like breath work, because what it does is it puts your brain in a brainwave pattern that we call theta state, and it relaxes you and allows your body. There's a hormone in um, the human stress response called DHEA. And the job of DHEA is to go back to your brain after the stressor, after the lion chases you across the field, to go back to your brain after the stressor and increase your tolerance for stress in the future to make you smarter, better, stronger. But this hormone only does its job when your body is in a state of rest, when your body is in theta state. So the problem for us in modern society is we're all pressing the gas all the time. We're never giving ourselves these intentional break periods. And these intentional break periods literally make you smarter, faster, stronger. So they're they're not a luxury item. They're not, you know, they feel woo-woo, but they're they're really not. It's really about training your brain in the same way that you would train your biceps, right? You would do repeated bicep curls. So you're gonna do repeated breath work to calm your body and put yourself in that theta state brainwave so that you can widen your window and increase your ability to respond to stress. I, I find that it's very important. Um, you know, breath can amplify, breath can um, excite you. If you focus on your inhalation, you can provide yourself with energy and breath can calm you down if you focus on your exhalation. And so that's what we did at the Stage for Change event. We just we got a room full of people together and got everyone comfortable and and just tried a little bit of breath work together, which is always fun to do, especially with people who haven't tried it before, because it can be such an um, immediate impact. You can feel it right away. I wonder how many other people were inspired that day to go go search out this breathwork thing, because honestly, when it was done, I felt like I had just taken a nap. Like right. I, I felt like I just woke up from a nap that that bliss, you know, like sleeping beauty, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm awake now and I feel so good. And that was the best nap ever. Um, and that was amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and I just want to encourage people out there, if you're not doing that, definitely look into it. I don't want to persuade you, but man, it is yeah. powerful, especially if you're under unusual amounts of stress or overwhelm, uh, you know, things like that. I just, I love it. It just felt like you just stopped the body and the mind, right? It right. Just, yeah, it's like, stop this world and let me off. That's what it felt like. Well, and it's supposed to feel that way. I'm so glad to hear you say it felt like you had taken a nap because when you get your body in theta state, when you get your body in that, that truly relaxed place, it does feel restorative like sleep. Um, and so, you know, if you don't have, if you have 10 minutes in your day and you don't have time to go lay down and take a nap, if you can do 10 minutes of breath work, you'll get that restored feeling without, you know, having to go take your shoes off and crash for an hour. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, today, guys, we're doing something a little bit different with Kate. We are going to put her on the hot seat today and we're going to ask her some amazing questions because I adore this woman from the second I met her. And I um, really want you to know her too. And I'm excited to get to know more about her. So, Kate, are you ready for some hot seat questions? I am ready. Awesome. Okay. The first one, what's your favorite color? Blue. I'm definitely a blue lover. What's your favorite movie ever? Oh, my favorite movie, uh, probably Pretty Woman. I oh. love silly romantic comedies. Kate, that's why I love you so much. That is my favorite. Oh my gosh. Okay. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal is definitely spaghetti with ground turkey. I love spaghetti. I could eat that right now. <laughs> Fry it up in a pan, right? Oh my gosh, right. I can't believe you eat it with ground turkey. I do too. Yeah. We're gonna have to share recipes. This is amazing. What's your favorite vacation destination? 
Oh, definitely Mexico. I love to go to the East Coast of Mexico, Cancun, Riviera Maya. Um, I've had so many great vacations there. I love it. And who's your favorite actor or actress? The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I love him. I love him. He would be um, he would be my list of, you know, guys that my husband would have to let me go on a date with. Oh my gosh, the backup list like they had on Friends, right? Right, <laughs> you exactly. Have to pick five people, The Rock is your number one, right? Right. Oh my gosh, I love it. What's your favorite beverage? Um, right now it's ginger ale. I'm drinking a lot of ginger ale. And how about hobby? What's your favorite hobby? Um, yoga. I love. I I teach yoga. I've has. I I'm not teaching yoga right now, but I I have taught in the past. And it's something that really calms me down. I can be a little wound up and um, it's been very valuable in my life. I love it. And how about your favorite book? Ooh, that's a great question. My favorite book, um, probably The Centurion's Wife by Jeanette Oakey. I read a lot of Jeanette Oakey um, and it's, it's actually young adult fiction. Like her older work is young adult fiction. And I used to read a lot of that. It was always about the wild West and Canada. And I used to, I used to love that, but I recently read something new that she wrote the centurion's wife. And it was great. I love it. And what is your favorite thing to do to relax? My favorite thing to do to relax is lay down in my bed with my dog next to me and read a book. Oh, that's very, something about having the dog pressed alongside your leg is very relaxing. I love it. And how about your favorite thing to do with your son? My favorite thing to do with Matthew is, um, read books together. Honestly, I love, I love reading with him. He's a good little reader and he always has been. I love that. Okay. So we're going to get a little more serious now. What makes you cry? Mm. Um, thinking about, you know, not to go too dark, but thinking about leaving my son and my husband and thinking about all of the, all of the things that I want to do and provide and organize so that they're ready. Um, but it, it's just really, really hard to think about, especially leaving my son. And what makes you laugh? Um, lots of different things make me laugh. Uh, I really enjoy a good political cartoon. I, I love it when somebody sends me a funny, a funny email or a funny meme. Um, so I, I, those are the things that make me chuckle right now. And what do you dream about when you find yourself daydreaming? What are you dreaming about? Usually going to the beach. Um, I, when I daydream, I daydream about travel. I love to travel and I've been sick. So I haven't really been able to do as much of it as I used to. Uh, so that's what I daydream about now. Taking a trip to a city I love. I love New Orleans, for example. Um, taking a trip to New Orleans or a trip a trip to a beach resort, something like that. Oh my gosh, girl. It's, it's like we're twins. We're long lost twins. We love all the same things. I go. love that. Well, this has been so much fun to get to know more about you. Okay. So you mentioned, um, some of the thing, one of the things that uh, makes you cry is, is, you know, the, the possibility, right. That, that remains that, you know, you're at some point will leave this earth, right? And leave the people behind that you love. Um, and, you know, I know we had this conversation I, and, you know, we, because of your diagnosis, we just assume that you're going to be the first one to go, but that is not always the case. And no, you know that, not. right? You know, that is true. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about it though, because I think we can never be too prepared, right? I think that there's just so many things um, that we want to say, or we want to do. And then, and sometimes we don't get a chance to do that. So I thought it would be fun for us first to talk about you and Shane, right? Cause this is where it all began. So I would love to hear a story or the story about how you and Shane met. 
Sure, sure. Well, so we were at the University of Alabama. Um, I had just left uh, the Marine Corps Reserve and he was getting out of the army. He was on his way out and we were both students and we started volunteering for this veteran service organization called Team Red, White and Blue. And one day we were at an event and he was it was a, an athletic event. We were going to go running and he kicked his leg up on the stairs and was stretching and told a really silly joke, just not a good joke. And I thought to myself, huh, this guy's a little strange. And we finally wound up going on a date. And every time we went on a date, he would say something that indicated an intelligence, um, a critical thinking capability. He would just something that made me curious to know more. And that's kind of how we started spending time together. That's the trailer, right? There you <laughs> he go. Was, he gave you a little bit of the trailer of Shane. I love it. So, okay. So you started dating and then how long did you date before you got married? A year. We were, uh, we dated for a year before we got married. Um, we got married actually in a courthouse in Alabama. It wasn't, we didn't have a big wedding and we did a vow renewal years later. We did an actual wedding in a wedding dress and we, we just had a vow renewal and that was so much fun. It was really exciting. Um, but we have been, you know, I would say we have just been friends since we've known each other. I can always count on him. I can always rely on him. And uh, we are very different. We have so, I, I would honestly say we have very little in common, except that we look forward in the same direction. You know, we share a value set and that, that has been really important, especially with parenting. That's amazing. So what was it about Shane that made you say yes, that you wanted to marry him? So Shane is one of the most steady and loyal people I've ever met. He is very, very um, even keeled and I'm not, I'm wound up. I tend to be a little bit, um, a little bit reactionary and he's the opposite of that. Um, but it's mostly his integrity and his loyalty that just made me feel made me feel when we were dating and I wasn't sick and we didn't have anything on the, you know, we didn't have much on our minds. It made me feel safe. I always felt comfortable. Like I could trust him. And that was, that was just such a comfortable feeling. Um, so I would say that's what made me say yes. And what's your favorite thing about him now? So now Shane is an incredible caregiver. Um, but what makes me love him the most is watching him bond with Matthew. Um, he has a tremendous friendship with our little boy. He coaches his baseball team. He, you know, they have long conversations about things and watching that makes me love him even more. Um, you know, one of the things that I've I'm a control freak by nature. And one of the things I've told Shane many times is I've fully expect him to get remarried when I'm gone. I want him to have friendship and companionship, but I also want him to be very careful about who he brings into his life. So I've told him, you know, she can't, she can't have a bunch of student loan debt or she can't have, you know, five kids or something. Um, you know, I, I've, I've laid down all of these parameters and he just laughs at me because I'm still trying to control things um, you know, from, from the beyond, but Shane is, he's very calm and he's very giving. He's constantly trying to figure out what he can do to help me out, um, help me feel better, help me do well. And I'm so grateful for him. I love it. How many years have you guys been married? We've been married. Let's see, almost eight years. Beautiful. All right. And let's talk about Matthew. So you guys were married. Uh, and so tell us about Matthew. Let's start with your pregnancy. What was that like? Well, um, well, wait, before that, tell us what it was like. How did you find out you were expecting and what, tell me that first. Well, it was a surprise. Matthew was a huge surprise. And I was actually in New York at a place called the Omega Institute, which is this big hippie resort in, um, in upstate New York. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I was on a yoga mat. I was there for a yoga retreat. 
And I just had this feeling wash over me all of a sudden, this knowing and a, a voice in my head said, and I, I think it was a God thing. That's what I believe. Um, a voice said, you're expecting it's going to be a boy and you're supposed to name him Matthew. And it, it just blew me away because I had absolutely no idea that I was expecting. And I had no idea that that was even in the realm of possible. Uh, and then the pregnancy was great. Um, you know, I didn't have too much trouble. I was finishing up my dissertation at the time. So I joke that Matthew's going to be really good at math and statistics someday because his mom was running a lot of statistics. I would bring my yoga mat into my office and I would do, I would do as much work as I could. And then I would take a little nap on the floor of my office. Um, but I was able to defend my dissertation two weeks before I had Matthew. So that was fantastic timing. I was able to finish my PhD and, and then Matthew joined us and oh he was a gosh. good baby. He was such a good baby, not a sleeper. He was a torturer. He didn't let me sleep for like two years, but um, he was a good little baby. Oh my gosh. And tell me about, describe that feeling, that feeling of when you gave birth to him and they put this beautiful baby boy on your belly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I saw Matthew, I felt this calm wash over me. And one of my favorite memories to this day is the very first night we were in the hospital. I sent Shane home to get some sleep and the nurses brought Matthew into me at about two in the morning and I was holding him and trying to nurse him. And I'm brand new at all of this. And he wasn't crying. He was just looking at me like, Hey, Hey mom. And I just, I just remember making eye contact with him and feeling so incredibly um, in love with this little person. And it was the best 2 a.m. I've ever had. Okay, that's so awesome. I love that story. And what do you enjoy most with Matthew today? I mean, now he's seven. So what, what is, what are your just favorite things? Matthew. Well, he plays baseball things. and I love watching him get a hit. Um, when he's up to bat and he hits, I feel like I've just, you know, won the lottery or something. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy that. I really, I love seeing him. I love seeing him play with the neighborhood kids. We live in this fantastic neighborhood where there's a pack of children. And so Matthew walks home from school with this pack of children, drops his stuff off, and then goes and plays for hours outside. And that's, you know, the, that's the, that's what I want for him. I want him to have one of those safe childhoods where he, he gets to play and interact with kids and all of those things. I love that. I love that. And so tell us about your traditions when you were growing up. I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, the holidays, the tradition, any family traditions that you may have had and any traditions that you have put in place for Matthew as he grows up. Well, um, traditions in our house growing up were we did Saturday cleaning, like we would wake up and we'd want to watch cartoons and our dad would always turn off the TV and, and give us all these chores to do. Um, so we we were like really hardworking little kids when we were um, growing up. We always had family dinners, and that's a tradition I've tried to keep in place for Matthew. Even it's been tough as I've been sick. Um, but you know, the family dinner where everybody sits around and talks to each other and gives each other the gift of like time and space. Um, I've tried to institute that for Matthew. I love it. And what's your favorite holiday? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it used to be Halloween. Halloween used to be my absolute favorite. And I think over time it's become Christmas. And I just, I treasure the time with family. I treasure, I love giving gifts. I don't really like getting gifts. I don't need anything, but I love giving gifts. And um, every year I, I kind of focus on, I find something different to focus on. One year I gave everybody purses. Um, you know, the next year I gave everybody books. And, you know, I just kind of, I really enjoy the Christmas holidays. I love that. 
I love that. Okay. Well, Kate, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but um, I remember this, um, this article that I read and it was from Amy Krauss Rosenthal and the article was titled, you may want to marry my husband. And I know you mentioned, I've heard you mention a few times what your desire is for Shane. Uh, if you should leave this earth before he does. Yes. And, yes. And so I would love for you to kind of articulate a little letter here of uh, to the world of why you should marry my husband, Shane. Yes. If you are the right woman, uh, you should marry my husband, Shane, because he is loyal. He is steadfast. He's an excellent father and you can trust him with anything. And for all of the things that'll drive you crazy, he will, he will tell you stories that are slightly too long. He will tell bad jokes on occasion. Um, you know, for all of those things that might drive you crazy, there are so many good, upstanding, character-driven qualities about him. Um, I want, I think about that all the time. I mean, he's going to be a single father at some point in the future, whenever that is. Um, and I don't want him to be alone forever. I want him to have friendship and love and companionship. And I just wish I could pick, I just wish I could pick her out for him. Oh my gosh. Well, let's describe her. Why don't you just take a minute to describe? I mean, we all have imaginations. So why don't you describe who that in your eyes, who that perfect person would be? Um, someone who's capable of loving my son like he's her own. Um, so someone with tremendous empathy and capacity to love would be wonderful. Um, someone who is a good listener because Shane likes to talk. So you're going to have to be a good listener and someone who wants to have fun, someone who wants to like make every day a positive experience because you, you know, that's been my role in the family. I'm the Susie sunshine. So I, I hope for someone who's very positive and, and uplifting for him. I love it. Anything else you can think of that you want to share here? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just, you know, Shane is a wonderful man. And it's funny because you see people's character during times when the chips are down. And when I got diagnosed, it's, it was instantly apparent. Not everybody has a partner who takes care of them the way that Shane has taken care of me and the way that he's been there without question. And I feel very fortunate for that. Amazing. And how lucky Matthew is to have two parents that are just amazing the way you two are and how you've uh, just done all this together and navigated this. And you're just setting such a great example for him. I love that little guy. Oh, my, everyone loves that little guy. I love that little guy. Share with our listeners what Matthew said to you. Uh, well, I was, I was ill one morning and Matthew came up to me and said, you know, mom, I hate cancer. If I could kill it by bopping it on the head, I would. And uh, it was just kind of a funny comment that came out of nowhere. Mm, too much. He's just precious. And I yeah. hate cancer too, Matthew. And I know you do too. I do. I do. Oh my gosh, Kate, this has just been so amazing. And you know, before we end this part of our conversation, tell me what is the legacy that you're hoping to leave here in this world that when people think of you, Dr. Kate Hendricks Thomas, what, what is it that you want them to remember you by? You know, that is such a great question because Part of me wants to say, I want to be remembered as a veterans health researcher who really cared about making things better for the service members that came after her. Part of me wants to be remembered for that. And part of me wants to be remembered as a really great mom who loved her kid above anything else in the world. And those two identities, they coexist, they go together. Um, so I would say I'd like to be remembered for both of those things. 
Oh, I'm so glad you said that too, because I was going to say you can have it all, right? You can be all those things and more. Well, this has been the most amazing conversation. And I'm so grateful to have had this time with you. And on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs. OMG. Kate, I don't know anyone more fierce than you. And even I thought that before, and I think that even more now, and I just can't even believe that we had this opportunity today. And I'm so, so grateful. We also promise our listeners that we're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to show this amazing Kate and all that she's done and this journey that she's taken through life and the successes that she has experienced that she celebrates today. But we're also going to show them that journey because there are women today that are comparing themselves and they're always coming up short. They're not pretty. They're not smart. They came from the wrong side of the tracks, blah, 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 blah. They have all these excuses of why they don't think they can do what you do. And yet they want what you have, but a lot of them are not willing to put up with what you had to overcome. So I'd love to bring this forward and say, hey, if you want to be like Kate, you've got to be willing to pay the price that Kate has had to pay. And while you get to enjoy the success, there's always, always a big price. So let's jump in real quick and share with them a few stories. We're going to start with the good. Share, could you share just one story about the good part of your journey? Absolutely. Um, and this is something that happened fairly recently. I was really struggling with taking some steps back at work. I, I love my work and I have historically really loved what I've done. And it was hard for me to not be able to work full time anymore. But my mentor at the University of Alabama reached out to me and let me know that they were giving me an award um, the university department was giving me an award for professional service. And it felt like it was an opportunity to go visit Alabama. It was an opportunity to talk to Matthew about awards and what those mean and what this meant for his mom. But the good thing for me was it felt like a capstone on a career that is shorter than I expected it to be. Yes but it was also tremendously fruitful and enjoyable and fantastic at the same time. Um, and so my mentor giving me that award was just so well-timed and it really helped me as I made the transition from working full-time to working part-time. That's amazing. Congratulations too. Going back to where it all started. Yes, wow. it felt that way. It felt yes. that way. That is amazing. Oh, that feels good. So tell us a story about the bad. Well, um, there's definitely been a little bit of bad in the very near, near term. Um, I started undergoing radiation to take care of a large tumor that is in my liver. And my doctor's worried about this tumor causing liver failure and, and all of the things that go along with that. But radiation has been bad. I can't say anything good about radiation. It's been hard. It's been, it's made me really sick. And it has made me slow down in ways that I haven't wanted to. Um, there's an end date in sight. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be doing it forever. So I've got that going for me. Um, but I'd say that falls into the category of the bad. Okay. And then we have to go to ugly. Tell me about ugly. So you talk about making sacrifices to get where you wanted to get. And one of the biggest sacrifices that I made that I, I still kind of regret to this day, I don't know how I could have done it differently, but I had Matthew on July 2nd and I had to report for work at the beginning of August. So I had five weeks at home with Matthew. I had five weeks of maternity leave, and then I had to go to work full time. And that was really, really difficult. I mean, that was incredibly difficult. And it's still something I think about to this day. I didn't get that baby bonding time that I really wanted. Um, and it just, it just wasn't in the cards and it was ugly. 
it was it was ugly to leave my to leave my five week old infant with my husband and go into work was really, really difficult. I can imagine. I mean, there's moms out there that are doing that, right? That yes. this, this is their career, but you were in the military, right? So no, I was actually I was a college professor at this point. I was um I was a college professor and the semester was starting. So it was just one of those things where I had to I had to get to work. Um and Matthew was a surprise. I mean, we we had him um we had him if I had planned when I was going to have him, I would have had him at the beginning of summer so I had more time. Um, but I, I did not plan. <laughs> so I got an ugly short maternity leave and I still kind of regret that to this day. Yes. And I, I'm sure that's frustrating at that time, being a control freak, as you said, and then not having planned this. And it's like, wait, I, there's something you didn't control. And then it didn't yes. turn out the way that would have been optimal for you. But it, it was the way it was supposed to be. And yes. And he is amazing and healthy and fabulous. And he's going to grow up to be an amazing man. And I just love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, you've met him, so you know. I adore him. He's precious. He is absolutely a precious child. Like any, like just you get into like in, in the zone of the space where he is and you just gravitate to him. But I feel that way about you too. So I have to say that I think he gets that from his mommy. Well, thank you. That is, you're very kind. I'm just honest and that's what I see and feel. So I love that. Well, Kate, before we say goodbye, and this is so amazing, such an amazing conversation. I cannot wait to share this with our listeners. But before we say goodbye, would you finish the sentence for me? The world would be a better place if more people knew blank. That they were loved. I think the world would be a better place if more people knew that they were loved. So much of conflict and so much of, uh, you know, interpersonal strife comes from feelings of insecurity and not being sure that we're loved and accepted. That's so beautiful. All right, you guys, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl. Get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Kate. You can. Absolutely. You got to keep fighting. Got to keep fighting. There's always a reason to keep fighting. You just have to find your why. I love it. I love it. Find your why, you guys. Get the gloves back on. Keep fighting. And Kate, you keep fighting. You are invincible. You are amazing. And you need to kick cancer's butt. I'll work on it. I will keep working on it. And we are cheering for you all the way. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.